Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I have a confession to make, you guys. Uh, Father Chuck and Matt Wells, who are here with me, my friends, how are you doing? I have a confession to make. Uh, yes, my son. I deleted Pokemon Go. <gasps> really? I did it. Yeah, you know, uh, I just... First domino. John Post, first domino. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the first part of the tripod to be kicked out, and uh, pretty soon you guys will follow. Maybe not Matt. I don't know. I feel like he'll hold in there. No, I don't delete. I haven't. I, don't, <laughs> I feel like he'll hold out. I have not deleted it. Um, I have not played officially. Yeah, I play a lot less than I used to. But what was crazy was the other day I was. Um, I decided to just boot it up um, while walking across campus to my office, and like within seconds, like four Pokemon jumped up at me. So like it was like suddenly like at, at one point like my my campus is a dead zone. And I don't know if because like teachers and students and stuff are back that. Because, like, I understand that the game works based off of the number of people using yeah, cellular cell service. Cell phone activity. Like, cell phone activity in an area, yeah. So, because people are back, it's suddenly, like, active again. So, but I keep running out of Pokeballs. And mm. um, it, it's where I live. It's not very easy to so get more. I've, I've got the other problem. Um, the lake I live around, the park and stuff used to be pretty steady. Nothing, like, fancy, but pretty steady. You could play whenever you felt like it. Now, I feel like there's hardly anything and the my bag has been full for days because I don't use anything. So even Pokestops, I'm like, whatever, drive right by them because hmm. it doesn't do me any good. <laughs> well, and it's it's also been, I don't know about you, for where you're at, JP, but here in South Florida, it has been hot. unbelievable hot. Uh, actually, uh, a funny thing happened today, uh, something I'm not really used to. It, it just it stopped being hot. Oh. It is no longer hot where I am. Did you know that happens in places, guys? Yeah, that it, it just it, stops it, um, being hot. When I, when I lived in Virginia, in Alexandria, that's what it was like. It was just like one day, it was like, oh, this is pleasant. Yeah. What, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm confused. Uh, well, uh, today's topic, and we do have a topic. We've, we've, we've taken a lot of time to think about this. Weather. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to comment that uh, our podcast is finally devolved to talking about the weather. And, <laughs> we are, uh, we I are, feel about that. We are three old men. That's what yeah, we are. I know. Yeah. Uh, but today, um, we spent a long time thinking about this. Uh, we, we think, when I say a long time, I mean, I think a good 10 minutes. <laughs> um, and, and Matt um, discovered the discussion thread 30 minutes after the 10 minutes. <laughs> you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Before I finally announce our topic today, I, want just, I don't want to point something out. All three of us are, are, are writers. Like, we all are pretty talented in that area, I think. We're, yeah. we're, you know, we're not, we're, we're not Stephen King, but we're, we're good we're, you know how to write. In, indeed, some of us are published. Some of us are published, yes. Published writers. Yeah. And, and some of us have won <laughs> awards for their writing. <clears throat> um, but for... I did. Thank you for bringing that up, JP. I, I did win I an did, award I for mine. I did, too, actually. Oh, I also, congratulations, I also Father. Did. Let me shake See, that's your what hand. I was trying Thank to you. say, <laughs> that all three of us have won awards, not just me. Oh, wait, you uh, won one, too? <laughs> yes. Uh, gosh. Is this backfiring? Do you want to start this podcast over? You're still, <laughs> you're still a good person. I mean, yeah. thank you. Thank yeah, you. you. Still, thank you, Chuck. We still learned last last episode that you beat us on the number of missions trips you went on, so you are amazing. Mission okay. trips, missions trips, that was a discussion too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have noticed that for a podcast made up of three uh, pr- pretty good writers, uh, we don't write a, a, a single thing yeah, <laughs> for this podcast. That's Everything cool. is very improvised in a way. It's true. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's a. Uh, uh, I think it's the actual definition of irony. 
Oh, right. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Not a not, word. A word that most people don't understand, right. including not, writers. We are writers, so. Right. It's not rain on your wedding day. That's just unfortunate. Yeah. That whole yeah. song is unfortunate, not ironic. Yeah. So, uh, having said that, we decided to talk about happiness. And I promise I will not play Pharrell's happiness at the end of the podcast. You mean happy? Happy. And I promise that I will um, hack into his computer and put it at the end of the podcast. Talking about happiness, the subject of happiness. Uh, We're we're pretty happy dudes, right? Right? For for writers? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for writers we're pretty happy uh, those writers always so happy Hemingway I live, I live my life by one motto at least I'm not Edgar Allan Poe <laughs> I love Poe so, so, just, uh, yeah his writing but he's, he's depressed he's a depressed dude he's depressed yeah I, I, my motto is at least I'm not Rasputin <laughs> yeah that dude had it rough <laughs> at least I'm not Rasputin <laughs> okay when, when people try to kill me three times <laughs> okay, so happiness. One of our questions that we're going to ask ourselves is, what is happiness? So I'll start with Father Chuck. Chuck, what is happiness? You would ask me this. You, you <laughs> made me first. Um, you know, I think, I think happiness, happiness is um, – I'm trying to avoid the, – there's a distinction that – it's a very churchy distinction, I think, which okay. is the difference between happiness and joy. That hmm. like there's a difference. That I mean, that's I, I've heard lots of pastors say that, lots of preachers say that. That you know that you can be you can be you can have joy even when you're not happy. Um, I'm maybe we can talk about that. I don't know if I, if that's a if that's a true distinction. I, I think in the within the popular lexicon, those are synonymous terms. Joy and happiness are synonymous. Um, what I would say is happiness is a positive feeling. That is related to fulfillment. And Mountain Dew Baja Blast. Okay. <laughs> or just generally feeling satisfied with one's life. Baja Blast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing I have to agree. I'm not seeing the difference. Like Baja Blast. And... Fulfillment with life, Baja Blast, one and the same. Like <laughs> Wow. You know what the absolute of happiness is? Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you, you had that recently, didn't you? It's that was gross. It's disgusting. It is so gross. Well, okay. So here's here, – let me ask you. I didn't have a chance to actually talk to you about this. Okay. When I remember Crystal Pepsi from my growing up, it tasted just like Pepsi. It happened to be clear. Then later – That's how I remember it too. But they later rebranded it and made it kind of like a Sprite type thing. Mm-hmm. It tastes it, more like the Sprite type thing, to be honest. That's it's nasty. Like a, it's like a watered down Pepsi, and not even a watered down Pepsi that we have now, but the watered down Pepsi with real sugar, like the Pepsi Throwback. Right. It's like a watered down version of the Pepsi Throwback. It's gross. I'm wondering if like Pepsi is just trying to like kill the nostalgia for it. Like everybody is like, bring back Crystal Pepsi, and they're just like, all right, we're just make it terrible, and then nobody will buy it, and just take care of that problem. Yeah. So Chuck, you would say that soda is happiness. No, you, you would say soda is happiness. Oh, right, okay. Um, I'm much more, I'm going much more metaphysical with this about fulfillment <laughs> and positive vibes about one's circumstance of life. Ah, but positive. if you want to say, if you want to say that, that high fructose corn syrup colored a, an unearthly shade of teal is happiness, then knock yourself out. 
Positive vibes. That's like that's the carbonation. It's the fizziness. Makes you all fuzzy inside. You know, I will say, you know, you know what? Baja Blast really, really goes. It complements a, um, a a a a cheesy gordita crunch just perfectly. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it really does. It perfectly goes with the worst level of food you can eat. It I mean, perfectly it, does. It, 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 the way that like. The way that like a certain type of Merlot is like perfectly paired with a certain cut and kill and and and, and grade of steak, <laughs> the ch- the cheesy gordita crunch it's, pairs beautifully with the Mountain like, Dew Baja Blast. It's kind of like the the perfect way that salt pairs with an open wound. It's, just, <laughs> it's perfection. Ah, the pain is so perfectly coincided with each other. <laughs> we have now and now we're like Hellraiser. I, <laughs> Speaking of Hellraiser, don't watch Martyrs. Anyway. Uh, so, Chuck, um, happiness, you know, the distinction between happiness and joy, I've never really thought about it. But I do know that joy is something uh, that the church likes to focus on a lot. Is joy something that's more of like, I feel like happiness is sort of a state of being. And joy is maybe more of an action, Maybe something that's kind of done to you, something brings you joy, something. See, I would think I would think that most most pastors that I've heard would say would invert that that joy oh. is a state of being, that happiness is simply an emotion, that joy is much more of like a substantial fabric of being kind of thing. It's a, a quality of life kind of outlook, whereas happiness is those positive feelings you might have from time to time. Um, but I, I think I'm. I think I'm willing to say that joy and happiness are synonymous. I, I, I that they're both, you know that. So you, you can't just put them under the umbrella of positive feeling, right? I wouldn't say that argue it, that's just what happiness is. You just you just feel positive, right? And I and I don't necessarily think that that's the case because I think one of the most beautiful, one of the really honest to God most beautiful depictions of joy, happiness, or whatever that I've seen in popular media is the goth kids episode of South Park where Butters is depressed that the waitress at the like Hooters type knockoff restaurant doesn't reciprocate like he found out you know basically she she acts that way because that's what the job asked her to do and she's not actually his girlfriend and he's like super depressed and the goth kids try to like recruit him be like life is pain and this whole thing and he's like yeah but it's beautiful like it's beautiful that i get to feel this because like this pain means that the joy and happiness that i feel is really means something so how awesome is it that i get to feel this sadness and he talked and i believe he uses the phrase it's a beautiful sadness which is such a rich philosophical thing for that show to talk about but it i think it's i think that's a beautiful encapsulation of what happiness can be like nostalgia. We talked about nostalgia before. Yeah. You know, the, the word nostalgia within French is a word that, that sort of alludes to a sadness toward things from our youth or things from the past. There's like a sadness attached to it. It denotes that there is sort of like a sadness that that thing is lost. But I would say that within a culture of ours, you know, where there's a lot of nostalgia is a big, you know, big part of our culture now. And I'd say all three of us at different times have experienced nostalgia. That there is a degree, like even though we, even though you feel that sadness of nostalgia, there's sort of like a happiness within, within that. So I think you can kind of get to the the gist of it being a much more mm-hmm. deep rooted fabric of being kind of thing. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. What about you, Matt? What is happiness? Uh, I don't know. Other than Baja Blast. Birds chirping, maybe. 
when you find a twenty dollar bill in your pocket. Yeah, um, I, I love when you put your hand in your pocket and there's a twenty there you didn't know was there. Oh man, um, or like when you pull the when you pull a pair of pants out of the dryer and then like you find that there was money in there. That's a great feeling. I don't know how I would define it because I'm thinking through your discussion about joy and happiness, and I, based on what you're saying, agree with you. Um, but having heard like what your most pastors. I think they're talking more about our concept of happiness and mm-hmm. culture's concept of happiness is Maybe. an emotion. Um, but I, I was thinking of the movie Sing Street. Oh yeah, um, that movie's a joy. Is it Connor and Penny? Is that right? I don't remember. Anyway, when they're talking, she's she says the the girl says to him, "Your problem is that you don't know how to be happy with being sad." And she says, that's what love is. It's happy, sad. Um, Talking about this idea that happiness transcends emotion, um, which I think is what most pastors are going on when they're talking about joy. Right. That it it goes beyond emotion, that it is a, it's intertwined with hope and intertwined with grace so that you can, even at your lowest, have this sense of, there's still purpose and meaning, and I think that's like a happiness and joy that comes with that. There's a hope for tomorrow, a hope for um, for getting through. But yeah, I don't know. You you blew right. my mind asking well, this question. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, love is a different topic than happiness. But I am interested that you you mentioned that Matt, because uh, you know there's this uh, movie that came out. Uh, not too long ago, uh, starring uh, the wonderful Simon Pegg um, and Rosamund Pike. And I'm just going to list off cast members because I'm in the process of looking for the title. That explains uh, a little, like, clicky sounds you hear in the background. <laughs> uh, it's called Hector in the Search for Happiness. And it's uh, it's basically about a journalist that travels the world uh, looking for the secret to happiness. Um, I don't know if I want to spoil it, but he kind of discovers... I won't get into how because it's like a long story, but he kind of discovers like the secret to happiness is love. And um, there's a scene where they're kind of monitoring his brain waves and he's talking to his his wife and they see like like a like an equal amount of happiness and sad inside his mind. And that's always kind of really fascinated me because maybe it's because I've, I've never been in a serious relationship before where I was in love with somebody. But to me, I always thought like love was just happiness. I don't really understand the sadness part. Well, uh, it's it's like uh, I'm gonna I'm trying to trying to think it through as you're talking. You mean All, sadness and love? Everything I everything I think yeah. of confuses. But Happy, it's like, happiness and sadness. Yeah, I get it. I get that. It's like it's like somebody explaining to take one route because there's plenty. I think it's like somebody explaining the there in JP. If you think of the show or movie that talks about this, you'll impress me. There's a quote talking about how. It's that ache when somebody leaves, like you actually hurt when they're not there, when they go away and you actually feel like it hurts on the inside. Is it Garden State? Um, no, actually, you know what? I think I, I just remember what it is. And, um, the not movie, the movie? The movie, the movie <laughs> saw it. I think it's What Lies Beneath. Um, <laughs> when it's Nicole Kidman. Uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. I love Michelle that Pfeiffer. movie. When Michelle uh, Pfeiffer is looking through the knothole and the... Because she hears a uh, woman crying. A lighthearted, a lighthearted romp. Yeah, a lighthearted will. romp, if you will. Um, <laughs> but the the neighbor appears, and she's talking to the neighbor, and she's like, "Have you ever loved so much that when they left, you like can't even catch your breath? Like it aches, it hurts to be apart from them." 
Um, that's one concept to me that, that in a way, not literally to that extent, um, but in a metaphorical sense, well, that's one way that makes sense to me how uh, happiness and love and pain can go hand in hand. Well, it's interesting, Matt, that you, made, you just made a distinction between like a <laughs> metaphorical sense and sort of like a, a, a literal literal sense. Because I think that things like happiness, love, hope, joy, faith, all of that, this is the realm of poets, mm-hmm. not, not scientists. Um, yeah, a scientist will tell you that happiness is a certain combination. What we call happiness is a certain combination of brain like chemicals, endorphins, and yeah. stuff like that, chocolate um, and whatnot, or or that. Yeah, but like, but it's a combination of you know of you know yeah, you eat chocolate causes some dopamine to get released, and you know it's 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 just sort of like a but it's that, but that doesn't capture the whole thing, right? You know, um, and I and I don't think it's something that we can easily define. I mean, if we could define it on this podcast and in within like one nugget of statement. Then we would render um, obsolete entire libraries of literature, you know, because that's. I mean, we are that amazing, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> we are writers. Yeah. We are writers. Don't forget <laughs> award <laughs> award winning writers. Mm. It's quite yes, post. Yes, mm. quite <laughs> yes. Uh, of course, writing yes, quite quite. It's interesting. Uh, the pursuit of happiness is a very American ideal, is it not? It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something that I found interesting about that statement was comes from a theologian by the name of Mislav Volf, who spoke at a at, at my church in Palm Beach that I was a part of when I was in college, and Volf said that um, the pursuit of happiness was crucial. The fact that they said pursuit was the critical piece in that in that statement because Jefferson and people like him believed that happiness could only be achieved in a life lived according to virtue. And so you could only answer the question, do it, are, you having, are you living a happy life? Is your life a happy life? You could only answer that question on your deathbed. You could not ask that question of someone just in their day-to-day life. Are you having a happy life? Because you really couldn't know what happiness was until you were able to reflect on your entire existence and whether or not you lived according to virtue and all this other stuff, which I think is a very, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You know, it makes sense to me. And he might be right because at the end of every year, a New Year's Eve, it's not really a ritualistic thing, but I know, I know it's a habit. That I always kind of do. I always look back on the year and ask myself, was this a good year? Mm-hmm. Was it a happy year? Was I, and is next year going to be the good year? <laughs> Man, I have a joke. The year of JP will eventually happen one year. <laughs> <laughs> According to JP, it's every year. Is that like, is that like the year of JP? Is that like the summer of George? From that, yeah, it is like, yeah, yeah. Because okay. <laughs> every year is like, it's, it's the year of JP, guys. As long as it's not like the summer of Sam. <laughs> so so far there there have been about four years of JP and all four of them were not very good. Uh, but it's interesting because every time I look back at the year, it's never like I can never say it was a good year. Because I mean I don't know so much stuff happens in one's life. But I think you can have a good day. But <laughs> I, I have know. what is good. But I have the reverse the reverse thought on that, JP. And yeah. here's an interesting thing: we are we're going to discuss now. We're going to break down each other. Are we happy? <laughs> I have the. Rever- I look back 
And it seems like whenever I stop and actually look back on my life, despite what's going on, despite how bad the year went, if you reflect on where it's taken you and where you're at now, it always leads to like, but I wouldn't want, I wouldn't change it. Like there's things in my life that, yeah, in theory, if I could go back, there's mistakes I made I wouldn't do, obviously. I wouldn't mess up. But at the same time, those mistakes are central to why I'm where I'm sitting right now. So it's more like I see even in down times and stuff, when I look back, I'm like, but that led to more understanding. That changed my focus in an area of my life mm -hmm. I didn't even realize it touched. That led me down a path I didn't even know I was walking on. Um, and you get to a place that you're like, how did I wind up here? And you look back and it's the the good times and bad times that got you there. Um, and I think that the I think that joy, which you're saying is synonymous with happiness, um, and culture they're kind of separate, our understanding, like happy is watching a movie and laughing and being happy with friends. But on a deeper level, you're saying like joy is, is synonymous with happiness. So I feel like happiness is that deeper level of being able to look back and go, despite everything that's happened, I'm right where I'm at right now because of everything. And I'm alive, I'm here, I'm with the people around me, and it's like, I don't want to give that up. Right. It's, it's like, and if you're in the midst of that, yes, like if you're in the, there's some people who might hear this and go, I would give anything not to be where I'm at. It's like, yeah, but when you get out of where you're at, you'll look back and go, I wouldn't be where I am now mm -hmm. if I wasn't there first. Yeah, I mean, it's like I mentioned on an earlier episode on the podcast, you know, once I, there was a time where I sat um, giving Charlie a bottle when he was very little, my, my, my oldest son, who's two, when um, he was still, you know, you know, you know, having to nurse and all that. I was giving him a bottle, and I remember sitting in the rocking chair in his bedroom and the kind of weird person that I am, and obviously I just talked about Wittgenstein, so I'm not normal. Um, sitting there and thinking about parallel realities and universes, and kind of you know, kind of taking stock of my life and how it got to this point, and I kind of started crying because I realized that I was living in the best of all possible realities, you know, because this was the reality where he existed, and he only existed because of all of these things that had happened in the past, bad relationships, um, you know, just traumatic, I mean, awful things um, in life that had happened to me and to people that I love, all propelled me into the person that I am into that moment in time. And another human being exists because of it, which right. is crazy. But um, that's a whole other topic. Um, then but, he grows up and he gets a book written by Nietzsche. Please don't ruin my son already. <laughs> no, your son's going to grow up and he's going to stumble across this book written by this guy named Matt Wells. Of and his life is going to be changed and it's going to be... Like he's going to throw at me and be like, Dad, this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cause, cause, because for our listeners, Matt's, Matt Wells' book is entitled um, Fix Me, Love Them, Christianity as It Should Be. 
The link is on every single every post. <laughs> which which I would I would like to say thank you, JP, because I'm not the one who put the link on every post. It makes it sound like <laughs> Matt is placing. Hey, on this episode, I'm the one pro- promoting your stuff. All right, nice, nice, <laughs> right? nice, nice. Hope you're happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> thank you. There's yeah. happiness. Happiness is your friend promoting your book on your podcast. <laughs> it's certainly a joyful moment, Chuck. And and you know I I guess I haven't had many of those um in terms of relationships but there are different times in my life where i think i could, i felt that sort of unfettered joy and i think one of them was when he found when my family and i found out that my dad's uh cancer had gone into remission yeah and that the uh treatment he was taking was like a miracle drug basically so times like that i mean you could call that just relief but there, I think there, there is a certain kind of happiness. And I think I haven't really asked him, but I've noticed a change in him where he is definitely a happier person now after going through all of that. Yeah. And I think sometimes it takes a, I don't know, you know it just kind of depends on the person you're because going through that could either make you a happier person or it could like make you a really depressed person. I don't know, depending on where your head's at. I'm not a psychologist. I can tell you. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you talk about this to me because I think back to 2000, 2003, our, our first year at Palm Beach Atlantic University. Right. right. Was that yours too, Matt? 2003? Or were you there before? That was a little later. That's, oh, a little later. That's right. Yeah. Was a... I was two universities before that's I got right, to That's Palm right. That's right. Well, I, you know, I, I transferred around a lot too, so the GPA. <laughs> so we, we, we all, we're all in a similar company here. Um, but I remember 2003, um, I went to, I, I, I started my, my first year at PBA and I had a, I had a girlfriend back in Orlando, um, who, who, who broke up with me within like my first like month of being in school. And I, I took it like, you know, the mature kind of person that I, I was as a, as a young man in college, which is to mean that I did not take it maturely at all. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, I was heartbroken. I mean, just a baby about it. You guys, you know, Keelan, um, you know, he's been on the podcast a few times. Keelan, my be- you know, he can tell you all about how I was just insufferable during this time. I have no idea what that's like. No, no idea. <laughs> and, but it's, but it's, it's funny that it's funny to me now because sometimes I'll drive down, you know, I'll be driving and music that I listen to during that time will play on mm-hmm. my, on my rotation, my shuffle of my, of my iTunes on my phone. And, I'll remember what it was like to drive down the road listening to some of those songs, feeling that mix of hope and depression. And I look back at that and I kind of feel like there was happiness in the like in thinking about that. It's weird. Like I look back at it with sort of like I wouldn't want to live through that again. Mm-hmm. But there's a strange happiness to like, you know, thinking about you know, what the sunset looked like on the turnpike while driving and listening to Guster's Keep It Together um, album. Yeah. And um, it's, and that's weird to me. Like, it should be, you know. Yeah, like, well, I, I don't use the cliche hindsight is twenty twenty, so I'm not going to say it. I just said it. Dang it. <laughs> but I guess okay. that, that's but, kind of that nostalgia kind of thing. Like, you, there's a sadness it, to it, but you're kind of weirdly happy in that sadness. It's yeah, a it's, strange thing. Like, you, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about um, – the experience I had of my grandma when she when she passed away, and my entire family, um, her kids, my dad, my my uncles, her kids, um, aunt, were all in the room. When she got home, hospice brought her home, and she wound up passing away a couple hours later, and we were there. And obviously, in that moment, it was a devastating moment. 
you know? I mean, it, it tears at you to be there when she moves on. Um, and yet, looking back at it now and talking about it, to be in that room with her kids and then myself and my cousins who are the kids of her kids and our kids um, weren't they weren't in the room but to to have our kids to be there and see her her life her legacy um, to see these people around her that we were literally telling stories and laughing when she passed um, it was a devastating heart-wrenching moment but at the same time I wouldn't give it up for anything mm -hmm. because of the depth and meaning and connection and I would say joy that and happiness that it brought in that moment along with the sadness. Mm -hmm. It's like they, we, we have this view that happiness and sadness are two opposite sides of a spectrum because I think we view them as emotions. But if we take the deeper, the poetic, the poet, philosopher idea of happiness, um, if we tie it in with the concept of joy, that sadness and joy, are they hold hands. They walk side by side. And I think that, an, oddly enough, an amazing kind of glimpse into this, very subtle, but a glimpse into this, is a Disney movie. And that's... Um, the uh, Inside Out. Oh my gosh, so good. Uh, oh yeah. And the idea that if I'm sure everybody listening has seen the movie, it's big enough to where I'm sure everyone saw it. But if you didn't, um, the emotions are characters, and happiness is the all the core emotions that drive who this kid is on the inside are all happy. They're all yellow, and then sadness starts inadvertently touching them, and if you want to say infecting with sadness. But by the end of the movie, what you realize is sadness always had to be there because without sadness, happiness wouldn't exist because right. you wouldn't understand the depth of joy and happiness without sadness being intertwined with it. Yeah, that, that um, oh man, that movie is so great for understanding just sort of psychology. Yeah, it's, it blew well, me away but from a psychology. Real quick before you jump in, JP, I was, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up, Matt, because one of the things I was going to touch on and I think maybe this could be a, a topic of conversation if you want it to be JP. Um, but is I feel like the way happiness is depicted in Inside Out is in many ways um, indicative of where a lot of our popular culture, particularly in America, is where happiness is confused for solely positive feelings, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that we have an almost we have sort of an addiction to positive feelings you know i think we've been infected by you know the power of positive thinking and all that kind of you know new thought type stuff right that makes us think that like any kind of sadness any kind of that is is bad and so it's oh, be positive. I, I agree completely and we've got to be positive all the time and yeah. everything's about being positive and we've got to pretend we're not sad and and that real the reality of it is that true happiness is it transcends these mm -hmm. things. It's not mm -hmm. just, it transcends positivity. You well, can be, you can be in the room where someone's dying and still see that as a happy yeah. thing. And even, and even in the moment you might not like meaning right. literally oh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. moment you might not see it, but you do, you see it, you see the connection. There's mm -hmm. a part of you. I see it as like when someone I, when someone I love <laughs> or care for is suffering, I want to be there with them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it hurts and it tears you apart. But there's a part of you that's like, 
but there's nowhere else on earth I want to be than right here with them. And to me, that is in the moment, that's the joy and happiness is that mm -hmm. connection of I need to be here. Mm -hmm. And then when you look back, it's like you see, you see the joy intertwined, like that moment I got to share like the, you hear the stories of I'll never give up the chance that I got to, to talk to my, my dad one more time before he passed. Or I got to hear my grandpa tell that story one more time before he passed away. Like you see it looking back. In the midst of it, I think it's that, it's that pull of like there's nowhere else on earth I'd rather be than right here. Even though my emotions are telling me right here is the worst place on earth. Like what's going on right now is the worst experience. But the other side of you is like, no, but this is where I belong. It's where I fit. It's where I need to be. And I feel like that's how they're like, they're intertwined in a way that we don't quite understand. Yeah. I feel like it's it's also kind of a, a really American symptom to not really feel anything besides positivity. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's in our, our culture, the pursuit of happiness. It's part of our way of life as Americans. Right. And, um... It's funny because I have found myself many times, um, and it's actually been mostly women, which is interesting. I think that's something to do with uh, systemic sexism on this part. But uh, because I think women's emotions are so ruled by our culture and our society and how they should like feel. But I, I've told people many times who are going through something that's like it, like it's it's okay to be sad right now. Like it's all right if you if you decided to be positive right now. That's not like you overcoming. Something like it's okay to be sad. Like you're not going to be defeated by being sad. Right. Like one of the things I have, like, like I have to do as a pastor, is I have to tell people whose loved ones have died, it's okay to cry. Right. You need to do that because there's so much cultural pressure on telling people not to. Um, I mean, on the other hand, I, there there is also I think the the flip side of that. There's a sort of reactionary culture to that 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 lets people sort of like. They sit with their they sit with their sadness or whatever too much, which that could be another topic of conversation. Right, yeah, but, of course. Um, I think I think we have an unhealthy emotional outlook in general in, in American culture. Well, but again, that's I a whole. So too. Yeah, I think that's a whole other conversation. But I um I but 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 yeah I I agree. Go on, JP. I agree with you. What's interesting? Um, I'm clever talking about this, guys, because I I just watched a phenomenal show. I binged it. I'll admit it right now. I Netflix binged on a show a whole. Three seasons. You mean you're a white guy? <laughs> oh, oh, Jack. Um, <laughs> you're a millennium? I'm a millennium, yeah. J JP, when you look I'm back, a... you'll see the happiness in this moment. I promise. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Rob Williams song. <laughs> um, you don't remember? Robin uh, Williams? No, not. Never mind. Okay, so I watched this Robbie, great show. Robbie it's called Williams. Bojack Horseman. Robin okay. Have you heard of Bojack Horseman? I've heard of it. I've not watched it. It, it the plot is essentially it, it's an animated show mm -hmm. starring uh, Will Arnett from Arrested Development fame and of course a bunch of other great stuff. He's also playing Batman in the Lego movies. Um, he does the voice of a character named Bojack Horseman who is like a half man, half horse. And in this world, like there are anthropomorphic like animals and humans like kind of coexisting together. It's all kind of part of the story. Um, anyway, Bojack Horseman is like a is like a 50-year-old washed-up actor who was very famous back in the 90s because he was on a TV show called Horse and Round, which is sort of like a, a 90s sitcom, kind of like Full House or something. Anyway, he's all washed up now, and he's trying to kind of get back into fame. But the whole, the whole show is about 
the abuse he experienced growing up with two toxic parents and how that's affected him. He's become very self-destructive. He's toxic. He uh, surrounds himself with people. Like, he just wants everybody to love him, and he'll go, like, really great lengths to do it. It's not, I would not call it a happy show. And yet, in the show, I found, I found myself very happy with it. And I, I kind of find, find this trend where, at least for me, like, some people can watch a show like Full House and feel like, yeah, this is happy. Like, this is... This makes me feel good about myself. This is positive. This is reaffirming. But I get that from when I when I watch shows about like really troubled people. And I don't know if it says something about me, but I feel like there's other people out there that feel that way. And this this show, BoJack Horseman, for me, it was really reaffirming. It, it, for some reason, it just felt really nice to watch someone. Some, some, I don't know, someone be toxic, which is weird. <laughs> I don't know. But like, well, I mean, in, um, in, in Greek, well, Eastern Christian theology is this concept of apophatic theology, which is understanding God through what God is not. Yeah. So would you say that a show like that helps you understand happiness by seeing what happiness is not? I guess so. You know, so much of the show is me going like, oh, God, what is he doing? No. <laughs> and it doesn't never really, each season ends on like a real bummer. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm the ha- I'm really happy watching this show. Kind of like Rick and Morty. Yes, exactly. Yes, it's the same, the exact same thing. Or or, or listening to or listening to Dan Harmon at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, he brings you joy by fully expressing his pain. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, we get to travel to the heart of his pain every week, and we just can't get enough of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think there's something therapeutic, therapeutic about it. And I'm not trying to bash Full House. No, Full I House think, is a wonderful show. <laughs> and I think on, on kind of a different level, but along the same lines as what you're saying, um, you're talking about somebody who's toxic and stuff, so I'm shifting it a little bit. But along the same lines, for a, a genre that has been labeled by a very sexist term, in my opinion, as chick flicks, mm-hmm. um, because I actually enjoy a lot of them, and I think it's sexist to say that it's a woman, it's women, women enjoy this, um, but, like, The Notebook. Mm-hmm. Never seen um, it. My wife loves watching it, but cries every time. Uh, yeah, my mom's but like it, that with my but best it friend's means, wedding. But it means so much. And it's like seeing the sorrow, the, the, the experience that the characters go through, the struggles that they face, and then they wind up passing away together at an old age. Um, watching what would be sorrow on the screen uh, is actually awakens a sort of joy inside of the person watching. It's like that whole, you know, sometimes you just need a good cry. You yeah, know, we make that the whole saying. Sometimes you just need a good cry to let it all out. Because I'm not I think saying from personal experience, but I hear that Fly Away Home is one of those movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He cried during Fly Away Home. No, I didn't. <laughs> I just I heard from a friend. Don't lie on our podcast. I, Don't do it. Don't do it. Be honest. Embrace it. I cried during The Lion King. What? <laughs> I got. I Dork. win. I got teary eyed during the Chipmunks Road. No, during Chipmunks Road Chip. Um, Your mom's answer, Martha. So. The anyway, I, I thank you for totally missing what I said. Um, I, I pre- if everybody listening could miss what I said, I would appreciate that. Too. Um, but no, I feel like there is a there's these moments where we get a glimpse of the fact that a full expression 
of the range of what it means to be human is where joy is found. Mm -hmm. So pain, sorrow, struggle, suffering, achievement, joy, all these things belong together. Um, They're not meant to be segregated and cut off. And if we try and do that, it leads to deep psychological issues, I believe. If you try and cut Mm -hmm. it off at any point, if you're in denial about your suffering, um, it's bad, very bad. If you get caught up in your suffering and you don't allow yourself to find the happiness and joy and amidst it, it's bad. I feel like the only way we become fully human and in the state that we're in with the separation that we caused from what we were created to be, um, the way that we come, we get a glimpse of what we were meant to be as human beings created by God is to experience fully all of it, to allow ourselves when there's sorrow, allow yourself to experience the sorrow. Don't feel like you have to hide it or be that guy who's like, it's going to be happy tomorrow. No, allow yourself to experience it, to, to go through it. Um, and I think that's the only way we find we find out what real joy and or happiness is, is by allowing ourselves to experience fully all of it. I mean, so both of you have mentioned this, have alluded to this. And so I feel like maybe it's worth delving into a little bit for me to say something about it, which is the inherent sexism in the way that our system, our, 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 the systemic sexism placed on women in regards to emotion. Right. Because the thing that pops up in my head is, the whole trope of telling women they need to smile more. Yeah. And that that friggin' happened to Hillary Clinton recently. In uh, So, but that idea of like that bias around positivity and that we expect it of women. But then at the same time, we have this flip side of it where you're like, oh, well, women should never be in leadership roles because they're so all over the place emotionally. They're so unstable. When the reality is, is because is what you're saying, Matt, um, and I and I and I and I, and I know I'm risking a, a, another type of stereotype here, so I hope our listeners will forgive me for this. But whereas, if if it's truly, if there's a true joy found in experiencing the fullness of human expression, I would say that in my experience, many of the women in my life have been much more open to that kind of that 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 fullness of experience, and so I would argue that maybe. Maybe women are a little bit more predisposed to emotional health and wholeness than some of us men. Oh, yeah. No, I'll I take, believe it. I'll take the side of saying that a lot of the sexist comments that we make, things like that's a chick flick or being emotional is, uh, is how girls react or men don't cry. Um, it, is, it is men's unhealthy response to the human condition or the human purpose um that is being reflected and projected on women right it is my inability to express my emotions that i then turn around and go well women are just so emotional and it's such a white anglo male thing to do too because like if you watch if you watch like like a mexican you know telenovela or something like (laughs) those dudes cry all the time (laughs) and like that's just normal yeah and that's like considered like that, that's, that's manly behavior to cry when it's appropriate and all this. Have you ever been to a Pentecostal church? For God's sakes! I have a th- oh, so I'm glad you brought that up because I have a theory. I have a theory, a theory that I've kind of held on for the past few years, which is um, why I think evangelical megachurches are so successful. 
And part of the reason why I think they're successful, because they're particularly successful among men. And what I think, why I think they're successful is they're the, one of the few places in our American culture that allow people to be emotionally vulnerable and expressive without mm-hmm. any fear of judgment or reprisal. Oh, no, oh absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. They, they tap into the emotional experience. I, I feel like one of, the, one of the things that makes me so frustrated by the, the, um, the Western American concept of church is the idea that emotions are bad. Like, mm-hmm. if you have an emotional experience, that's a false, like, like you go to a concert and you feel uplifted, that's just uh, Satan deceiving you because it's right. emotional. It has to be more than emotion. I think our problem is actually that, um, and I'd be interested, I'm going to bring, I'm, I'm going to bring something up, JP, and see what everybody thinks. Um, I think the problem is we separate emotion from spiritual I don't think that emotions are separated from our spiritual existence. I feel like happiness and joy should be a synonymous because we should understand that happiness is more than just a fleeting smile on my face. It's something that's intertwined throughout my life. Sorrow is not a moment of crying. It is an understanding of how things are not the way they should be. Um, and all of that should continue to exist side by mm-hmm. side. Um, the Bible, uh, biblical language for it, would be lament. I feel like lament yeah. and joy should be partners that are that are dancing together rather than two opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Well, and 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 um, you know, we think about this whole idea of human beings being created in Mago Day. You know, that we've been created in the image of God. Um, we, we read, um, the Psalms that say things like, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, within a lot of, within a lot of Catholic teaching right now is this whole realm of the theology of the body, the idea that, that our bodies are, you know, theological things. God made us. We are, there's a connection there. And so there's holiness, you know, that comes out of this. And if, and if our emotions are a part of our bodies, you know, as we're learning more and more, our emotions are, you know, brain chemistry and all these other things, then there is a spiritual sacred component to that. I mean, yes, I think scripture is scripture is wise in telling us that we need to have this kind of stuff in check and mm-hmm. we shouldn't let our emotions well, govern all of our, you know, govern our actions and that sort of thing. But we should also recognize that our emotions are given to us by God as part of the bodies that God has gifted to us and it's a grace that we experience these things. Yeah, well, and that's and that's what I mean is I feel like we we've created this understanding of emotion. Um, to describe the feeling that we have in a moment. Right. Whereas the feeling that we have in a moment is actually a bigger reflection of something that should be an ongoing part of our life. Mm-hmm. And um, here, here's here's me literally thinking on the spot and seeing uh, what the two of you think. We'll, we'll just do this. Um, we love to use verses like God is love. That God is, you know, God is love. So he's love. God is love. Um, and then there's verses like Jesus wept, so he experienced a lament, and I, right. I believe. Um, not Because to me, depression or sorrow is our understanding of giving yourself over to the, to the idea of lament. Lament is the underlying thing we should hold to, and understanding that, you know, um, how things can go away from what it's meant to be. Where sorrow and depression, by our understandings, um, tend to be 
I allowed that to become my predominant view of humanity. So if I'm lost in depression, if it's a chemical imbalance, that's a clinical depression is a different thing, chemical imbalance. But um, if I'm lost in depression, it's because I've allowed the the way that our world is separated from the way it was intended to be, I've allowed that to become my predominant view of humanity and creation. That leads to depression. The world's broken is the word you hear all the time. It's not the way it was meant to be. Nothing's ever going to get better. Um, Tomorrow's just going to be another endless, meaningless existence. Um, But here's, here's my thought. It says God is love, but it says Jesus wept. I believe that the the deeper understandings, the the lament, the love, joy, peace, grace, um, the anger that he that Christ expressed when people were going against what God intends, and He turns over tables. All those things are if God is one hundred percent what we are meant to look at. He is 100% the expression of all of those, Mm -hmm. not one of those. So joy, lament, anger, frustration, happiness, they all exist equally, but in check. Because he he is the perfect example of how all of that is meant to be expressed together. Well, well, two things about that, um, real quick. One is, the church church for a long time, and still parts of the church still have this language, um, have language for this. I mean, there's no coincidence in my mind that we refer to the events of Good Friday as the passion of Jesus Christ. So the passion narrative um, in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, passion's emotional language. Um, the second thing is, um, you have to edit this out, JP, because I'm going to have to try to remember what I'm thinking here um the second thing is you were talking about emotion you were talking about um anger frustration anger frustration oh that's it the second thing is um gk chesterton in his book orthodoxy ends the book by saying that the one emotion that we that 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 the gospels do not give us a clear picture of of jesus you know we see his anger um we see his sadness we see a lot of his other emotions um, we see his passion, we saw it, but the one thing that we don't see in the Gospels, he says, is his joy. And he says the reason he believes that is that his joy would have his joy would be so profound that we wouldn't be able to comprehend it. Um, that it's beyond our ability to handle, that his joy is too much. Um, he doesn't say, it, but I would argue that that perhaps the, his joy permeates everything he does. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I think that's a really rich theological conversation. Yeah, and the, but I just wanted to yeah. say that to you. And I know JP wanted to say a couple things. Yeah, because no, trying to butt in for a while. Because the way the way he said it, I don't want to sound like I'm disagreeing with a famous theolo- theologian, because <laughs> that's not the case. But um, but I feel like we don't to say we don't have a clear expression of his joy is to miss the fact that I feel like we do. And that it's seen completely in the full expression of his sorrow, anger. Um, we see Christ is is born of a virgin, lives a life that perfectly is an example of how we're supposed to live, dies on the cross, and then rises again from the dead. And amidst all of the, the pain, the sorrow, the... Um, 
backstabbing that people do to him, the slander, the, the beatings, amidst all of that, his purpose and meaning and fulfillment in life is never lost. And I feel like that is his joy fully expressed. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, so yeah. I feel like we have the expression of here's an example of all the ones that were, we as humans, we're familiar with pain. We're familiar with sorrow. We understand loneliness. We understand um, pain, suffering, but we don't grasp joy until we see the full gospel and realize the joy is that he knew all of this goes together to express the truth of what he's here for. Um, so for us, all of what we experience is 100% meant to be experienced because we are going to where God wants, we're becoming who God wants us to be. And without the, the journey to get there, in our example as finite beings, without the journey to get there, we wouldn't be who we're supposed to be. Yeah. So the joy is the overarching movement toward what we were created to be. And all the experiences along the way are equally responsible for getting us there. I, I realize I probably mis I misquoted Chesterton. I just looked up the quote while you were talking. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm going to just read it real quick. I mean, it's kind of lengthy, but not that lengthy. That's never too bad. Um, Chesterton says, and as I close this chaotic volume, this again, this is from Chesterton's Orthodoxy, his most famous book. And as I close this chaotic volume, I open again the strange small book from which all Christianity came, and I am again haunted by a kind of confirmation. The tremendous figure which fills the Gospels towers in this respect as in every other, above all the thinkers who ever thought themselves at all. His pathos was natural, almost casual. The Stoics, ancient and modern, were proud of concealing their tears. He never concealed his tears. He showed them plainly on his open face at any daily sight, such as the far side of his native city. Yet he concealed something. Solemn supermen and imperial diplomats are proud of restraining their anger. He never restrained his anger. He flung furniture down the front steps of the temple and asked men how they expected to escape the damnation of hell. Yet he restrained something. I say it with reverence. There was in that shattering personality a thread that must be called shyness. There was something that he hid from all, from all men when he went up a mountain to pray. There was something that he covered constantly by abrupt silence or impetuous isolation. There was some one thing that was too great for God to show us when he walked upon our earth, and I have sometimes fancied that it was his mirth. Um, I believe in the next passage, uh, he mentioned something about Crystal Pepsi tasting like clear diarrhea. <laughs> so I just, I know I'm not alone. Thank you, Thank you JP. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ladies on that note, our moderator. <laughs> you know, um, go ahead. I try to be insightful. I yeah. do. <laughs> I don't. I don't know philosophers and theologians like you guys. Uh, sometimes they turn out to be crazy, anyway. So, like Cornell you, West. You are your um, own philosopher, JP. Is, there's <laughs> no doubt in that. <laughs> Happiness is Baja Blast. Sadness is Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what? That was actually a really great passage, and I feel like I just totally – I just took a Crystal Pepsi all over it. <laughs> I just poured Crystal, crystal Pepsi all over that passage that you Hey, you know what? Hey, hey. This is – it's Masters of Indians. It's how we do these things, it's, right? That's how, that's how we do it. We, we couldn't get to our true meaning if we didn't go through all the nonsense. And, that's and a, you know what? It's all and, intertwined. And you know what? <laughs> By making that joke, our listeners have laughed – 
<laughs> and cultivated a little bit of joy. That's that's true. And that's happiness. What, yeah. They've experienced a moment of happiness during their daily commute or whatever they yes. listen to this thing. And if you didn't laugh, you're laughing at the fact that he said that now. So we still win. Yep. <laughs> yep. We're here to make you happy. Right. And to become famous. Make us famous. Because we want to be happy. Because fame is happiness. <laughs> you will be so much happier if you liked and subscribed to us. <laughs> rated us and reviewed us on iTunes. Okay, so applying everything we've talked about, where we're trying to sort of define happiness, applying all of that to right now, mm-hmm. would you, with all that considered, would you guys consider yourself happy? I mean, going against what Thomas Jefferson says, yes, I would, I would, I would consider myself happy. I would, looking at, the, looking at my life right now, taking kind of stock of the entirety of my life, mm-hmm. I would say that I am happy. In this moment in time, I have a happy life. That's good. Yeah, I would say the way I would describe it, taking everything we've talked about into effect, and I will start by saying, yes, right now I'm happy by the American emotional understanding. But on the deeper level, I would say, yes, I have a, I have, I right now see my life as happy because I don't see happiness as the momentary um, feeling of smile or emotion. What I see is... I wouldn't rather exist anywhere else than where I exist now. And there's a happiness and a joy in knowing that I have been led to where I'm at and that I am here for a reason and that um, where it is going is a mystery. Um, And that excites me to not know where the story is going next. And depending on what day you ask me on my emotional understanding of it, it might frustrate me that I don't know where I'm going next. But overall, there's a joy and a happiness in the mystery of life and not knowing what tomorrow holds. But to the see rapture. the raptures. Right. But to see where I'm at and to understand that everything I've experienced and gone through put me here right now is a form of joy and happiness. That uh, the creator of the universe created me, um, placed me here. I've lived this life, and I'm where I am, and he's here with me. There's a, a joy and a happiness there that I, I don't even know how to, how to put it into words, and I can't wait to see where it goes next. And looking back, that is what it always is, is I can't believe that that got me here. I can't believe that those decisions and those mistakes and those achievements and those successes all p- culminated to place me here. So, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> sitting here with Father Chuck and JP, even as they mock me, there's nowhere else I'd rather be right now. <laughs> so, take that home and feel bad about it. <laughs> so, moderator, are you happy? Are you happy? Well, here's the thing. Going everything over... Keep it 100. Keep it 100. <laughs> what? From the- oh, is that the Larry Wilmore thing? Yeah. I never really understood what that meant. I don't yeah, know. for our listeners, I don't know what we're talking about right Keep now. Keep it hundred percent true. <laughs> oh, okay. Hundred percent true. Hundred percent real. Well, Sorry. Well, I mean, real. would you say that I'm happy doing this podcast, talking to you guys, going over these cool subjects, having these great experiences? You know, we were able to talk to Rob Bell. Matt and I went to Fan Expo. I made a new friend in Father Fun. Um, 
you know, th- there's definitely a, a, a moment every week where I'm really happy and it's when I'm doing this and it's when I'm editing it and it's when I'm uploading it and seeing the reactions and stuff. It's definitely a very happy moment in my life, but I would say Tuesday evening through Sunday evening, no, <laughs> not at all. But is the fact that I do have this moment of happiness mean that I'm happy overall? I mean, I guess you could say I am. Well, and, and here's, here's, here's what I'd say to that, though. You've had moments and experiences in your life that you would say you were extremely happy for, yeah. se- for seasons of your life that you would say in your understanding you were happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stuff before that, you'd be like, no, it was just like where I'm at now. But that got you to those moments where you said you're extremely happy. So remember that what you're going through now is taking you to somewhere that you don't know where it is. And the way that I love it is there's a there's a book um, called Pieces Every Step. And um, the book itself, and I'm, I'm not saying, hey, go out and read this book. That's whatever. That's up to you. But um, the idea of it is that peace is not a destination. It's the journey. Mm-hmm. Every step you take should be peace. So amidst whatever is going on. I would say yeah. happiness and joy is the same thing. Yeah. It's not a destination. It's not a moment. It's not an experience of, I've got a smile on my face, so I'm happy. It is every step we take is leading us in a direction. And if you are striving to be the person you're meant to be, and every then every step you take will express happiness and joy in the end. Yeah. Even if you don't achieve the things you feel like, I'm meant to achieve this. No, if you're striving to be the person you're meant to be, the one you're created to be, then I think you'll always look back and go, every single experience in life led me to where I am now. Right. And I wouldn't trade that. Um, you might not, like I said, you might not achieve the thing you thought you were setting out to achieve, but strive well, to be who you are meant to be. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm a believer that happiness is something you cultivate, JP. Mm-hmm. Um and so because something you cultivate, you know, you can find those moments and you can return to those in those times where you don't feel, you know, that sort of immediate happiness. You know, I think, I think there's like, you know, we've talked about the distinctions. I think there's sort of that, that sort of immediate sense of happiness, which we, you know, can be kind of a temporary, you know, thing. But then there are these moments. I mean, because ultimately we are predisposed to want to be happy. I mean, that's a, that's a simple fact of human biology. We want to be happy, not sad. Some of us can find happiness through our sadness. I mean, that's a, you know, that's, I mean, people who are like into goth and stuff, that's kind of part of it for them. <laughs> or Bojack think. Horseman. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they find happiness. There. Yeah, that's a good example too. And so, and so I think like, you know, you have these moments that you, you look forward to and, they, and they're a part of that and you cultivate that um, and you keep to that. And I would argue even... You know that, that there are other parts of our lives and practices that we can we can make choices that will that will improve and cultivate our happiness. And I know that that probably confuses a little bit of that thing we said earlier about being addicted to positivity. Um, I, I think some of that is necessary, but you know that's that's probably more beyond what we have time to talk about here. But I do think it's something you cultivate, and so because it's something you cultivate, you can have these moments where you sort of savor them um, and and keep them going over time. You know a well you draw from kind of thing. I don't know. I'm not trying to tell you how to feel your feelings, but no, it's fine. It's, you know, whatever. Um, 
so well, I don't I know, think man, the, just whatever that away. I mean, I think like, you know, you know, I, I, you were very, you're, you're being very real on here, JP. And I think that's like a really important thing. And I think like, I think it's important. I, I'm glad that you said that you don't necessarily feel happy Tuesday through Sunday because, oh, wow. because I think our listeners are going to hear this. And if, if all three of us were like, oh yeah, we're happy. And there's somebody listening to this podcast who's going through the same thing as you. And they think, oh, these guys, well, what are they going to say to me about being happy? How are they going to show me toward being happiness? The fact that you made that statement or honest about that allows other people who listen to this podcast, I think, to have someone to connect to. I think it's, I think it's an important thing to just acknowledge, not just sort of wave away. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. we're not going no, I mean, yeah. to solve it now, and that's not necessarily even the, the, the job to do that. It's just a, re, a fact of reality. And, you know, I know that there's my own prejudice to want to say, oh, be happy, JP. You know, here's all the stuff for you to be happy about. But, you <laughs> oh, know, this is your this is I your can't. life now, and, and you, you know, you do with it what you got. So. I can't yeah. stand that, by the way. People who tell you you have no reason not to be happy. Look at everything oh. going for you. Yeah. Um, don't, don't to get that. back to our last episode, there are people living in poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't, you don't know what pain is because you don't experience their pain. Like they try to lessen yours. Um but no, like like JP, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be more honest in my answer because of what you said. So take it that way. Okay. Um, I said right in this moment, right now, sitting here with you guys talking about this, I would say I'm even the American understanding of emotionally happy. Mm-hmm. Like uh, this is fun. I like being here. It makes me happy to be here on Monday nights. Um, in my life, looking back on everything, I would say I'm happy that I understand that it got me to where I am on a day to day basis. I am currently a stay-at-home dad who's been there for over two years who's starting to lose his mind because his children are always there, always awake, and always wanting attention. Um, I, I've i had trouble being able to sleep. I've wound up on the couch more times than I'll admit because I've had trouble being able to sleep in my own bed because our son keeps waking up and wanting and winding up in our bed, and then I can't sleep once he's in it. So I just wound up falling asleep <laughs> on the couch. Um so on a day-to-day basis, if you, when we turn off this podcast recording, if you followed Matt home and at 3 o'clock in the morning his son wakes up and wanders down to his room, his son, who he loves with all his life, wakes, down to, wakes up and wanders down to his room at 3 a.m. and jumps in his bed, which causes me to not be able to sleep. In that moment, I am not the typical understanding of happy. <laughs> I've lost all view of meaning of life. I am just... Why is this happening, and why can't I be in bed next to my wife? Like, it's driving me nuts. But for you and for myself, what I hold on to is that idea that that the mantra of what is the next step, just what's the next choice, what's the next decision, what's the next step I take. I hold on to the idea of who am I supposed to be, and if I can grasp that in a moment... In, in the midst of frustration and anger and going, why am I even here right now? If I can catch one millisecond of a glimpse of what's the next step toward who I'm supposed to be, um, you'll see an overarching happiness to your life. You won't see it in that moment, but in the moments where you lose that, try to force yourself to look back on the happiness, the moments you do see happiness and how you got there and hold on to the hope that where you're at now is a chance to turn into who you want to be. 
and take every next step as a chance to go one step in the direction of who I want to be. But yeah, in the midst of it, if you, anybody listening in JP for encouragement for you, because you encouraged me by being honest, um, for encouragement for you, if you followed me home tomorrow, you'd be like, Matt, you're full of crap on this podcast because you sound like, look, here's happiness. And then I went home with you and you're losing your mind. You're like beating your head on the wall going, I have to get out of this house. I need to do something else. Um, but no, take the mo- any moment you get these Monday nights when we're together and we're talking about this stuff and we have chances to stop for a second because I'm in an office sitting here with Father Chuck and JP is in Norman, Oklahoma, but he's on the computer talking with us. But who's not here right now? Um, because if you're not a parent, this is going to sound awful. But if you're a parent, you totally understand me. Right. Who's not here right now is my kids. And I have a moment. <laughs> I have a moment to stop and think. That's totally and true. in this moment, I can take that on Monday nights. Like you said, JP, Monday nights talking to us. You're like, yeah, I'm happy right now. Take that moment to stop and go... Yeah, but where I was, say, six, seven, eight months ago, I was happy then, and I wouldn't have traded that moment. And everything before that led me there. So where is this leading me? Mm -hmm. Tomorrow morning, right now, when we hit stop on this recording, and JP starts the fun, like, 93-hour process of editing my nonsense, um, what the next breath I take... When I let that out, how can it be one more expression toward who I want to be? Take every moment you get to hold on to that. Because, yeah, all of us, JP, thank you for reminding us. All of us get lost in it. I do. I sound great on here, but follow me home. You'll find out. Well, I I remember a moment. I'll share this a story. Um, It was toward the end of my first year of seminary, so 2009, I had been in a couple of I've been in a couple of failed relationships, you know, false start relationships, all this other stuff, and I was feeling sort of woe is me. And as very common when you live in Washington D.C., was very common to do is to drive downtown and to walk amongst the monuments at three in the morning, um, which of course I later learned was a euphemism for making out with people. But that's another story. So I went. I was walking amongst the monuments at three in the morning, Washington Monument, Lincoln Memorial, taking pictures, you know, all this kind of stuff, and just really feeling kind of like really sorry for myself. And I had this realization that the stuff I was really upset about were things that were all within my control, like people in from my past who I felt had had sort of kicked me out of their lives without any kind of due conversation or due process. That's a weird thing to say. But like, so I realized there was a bunch of things that were within my control. And so I went home, I went back to my dorm. And before I went to bed that night, I sat down from sort of following the, you know, the Jesus, you know, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, try to reconcile with everyone when you have the moment. I sat down at my, at my laptop that night and I wrote a series of letters to people that were just like, Hey, look, you burned me. I don't think I deserve that. Or, Hey, I really miss you as a friend, I'd love to have a relationship again. I did that for a number of people and, um, it was very healthy and good, um, mm-hmm. to just kind of take charge and know like, Hey, you know, actually my happiness is kind of in, in, in my control. And so I can, I can, um, I can, I can have some say over that, have some control over that. If you don't want to talk to me anymore, that's fine. That's your business. But at least I can say that I did my, my part in that. And well, to, to quote a former guest on our show, Rob Bell, 
he always says that the the power of forgiveness is when you forgive somebody and find out that the one that's actually set free is yourself. Exactly. Yeah, and like, um, and that's like something my wife is reminding me of too. Like, you know, like it's, it's it's sort of talking about practices of being happy. It's like when it comes to the internet, is like if I'm online and social media and I see something that really makes me mad, like, and it makes me want to like go on a keyboard warrior rant. I'm like, you know, is this really contributing to what's making me happy? You know, is this something that does it matter? And so nine times out of ten, what my, my, my posture has been is to be like, sometimes I'll write it and then just delete it and not post it just so I get it out of my system. But the other is is to say, you know what, this person or this thing does not make me happy, so I block it. I block it on Twitter. I block it on Facebook. Because I just don't need that. Because I believe fully that there is a, there are systems in place in this world, particularly satanic systems. I'll be just name it that way. Satanic systems that are trying to distract us and to rob us of our joy, rob us of our happiness. And so, which is very Pentecostal bad and whatever. But I, I do kind of believe in that. And so I, I, I realize I make it a point to not allow that kind of system to win because it, 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 it derives its pleasure off of my anger and generates clicks and all that kind of nonsense. So I, 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 I just don't deal with it anymore that's why you don't see me doing the keyboard ranting anymore i used to do a lot of that and i just gave up on it because i would rather be happy i'd rather cult- i'd rather be around people like you guys who make me happy rather than waste my time and energy yelling at somebody who really i'll never meet and doesn't matter thank you father Chuck. that that's actually pretty wonderful I, um does that is that why you sent me that letter that uh <laughs> did i send you a letter <laughs> no i didn't Okay. As I was saying, I was like, I'm trying to remember. Did I send you? Right, either did I send you guys a letter, or I'm still, I'm still, are you going to be like, where was my letter? I'm going. Yeah, I'm going home tonight. That's what I was going to say. I'm going home tonight. Going, where is my letter? <laughs> it's, it's similar as Crystal Pepsi inside. I don't get it. So you sent me a whole crate of Crystal. <laughs> JP is my best friend. He sent me a whole crate of Baja Blast. <laughs> Actually. Um, just in case our listeners decide to ever send anything, the the key to Matt's heart was the original Surge. The new one's not quite there. If you can find the original one, that was my Baja Blast. That was my joy in life. All right. <laughs> well, uh, that is all the time we have for this week. Um, I want to thank my co-hosts, Father Chuck and Matt Wells, for their for their incredible insight, and uh, especially on this topic, which I think this was a great topic to talk about. We're out of time, but I really wanted to talk about this uh, this mini series that came on HBO a few years ago that I really loved called John Adams. It was you know it's about oh yeah John, John Adams, and you know it's really is a, a dark and bleak mini series because it really tried to capture the reality in, in, in a really raw cinema way of what it was like to exist back then, especially for someone like John Adams who experienced so much loss and you know had the weight of the country on his shoulders. At the very end of the series, he's an old man. Um, he's lost his daughter to breast cancer and he's with, I think he's I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I watched, but he's with his son and he's an old man and he's on their farm on their property. And he's just, he, it's a, it's a miserable show because of everything he's had to go through. But at one point he's just like, I forgot to be happy. And like, I could be happy right now. And he quoted Paul about rejoice evermore. Mm-hmm. And he just kept saying that, rejoice evermore, rejoice evermore. Like this entire series, he's been depressed. But at this moment, he's like just a happy old man. Yeah. And that, that just to, to kind of add to that too, because you're saying that and it's amazing. And it makes me think immediately for listeners, look up the old hymn, It Is Well. Mm. Listen to the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Um, 
and then understand that that was written by a man whose entire family, his wife and children, died um, in a shipwreck, drowned at sea, and he wrote the words to the hymn, It Is Well, on a boat in the basic area of where oh, yeah. they went down and drowned. Yeah. Um, and under it's just like the John Adams thing you're saying, to yeah. see... Um, know the story of that song it is well and listen to the words and the John Adams thing sounds identical um, the idea of somebody who realizes that that amidst all that you can find um, a, a joy in the midst of it yep. yeah so uh, again thank you so much guys for your insight thank you so much for joining us join us next week where we talk about celebrity fights who would win Kim Kardashian or um Kurt Cameron. Are, you, are, we, are we going to try to resurrect celebrity deathmatch? Is that, is that the idea? <laughs> Let's get it out! <laughs> Alright, thank you for tuning in. Do you, do you tune into a podcast? Thank you for pressing play. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> goodbye and good journey. Good journey. Good journey.